When, when I was growing up, there was a game my brother and I used to play. Uh, it was on Nintendo, okay? So this kind of age in here. But it was, on a, it was a video game. Of course, we used to play it on uh, some of the modern ones. Um, if you play modern sports games, you have all these different defixes you would pick, okay? So uh, we used to play this game called Tecmo Bowl, all right? Tecmo Bowl had four defenses you could run. That was it, okay? It's old school, so there would be a screen that would pop up. And when you were playing, you had to hold a direction and hit a button for that. That's, since it was old school, there was only four directions you could hit and a button. So there's four defenses that you could pick. And I used to get so ticked off because my brother was a lying cheat. That's what he was. He would look to see what defense that I would pick or what offense I was going to run, and then he would pick the defense to match it. And so he would either sack my quarterback or when you – in Tecmo Bowl, it was kind of like if you read the play, you, you really couldn't get out of it unless you were Mike Singletary and, and stuff like that. But anyway, there was, there was this cheating that would happen. If you knew what the other guy was doing, then you knew how to stop him, okay? Now that's the same principle in all kinds of things, okay? It goes in sports. It goes in – uh, war and, and battles and stuff like that, if you know what the other guy is doing, then you can actually develop some sort of way of stopping or hindering them from doing what it is that they're going to do. And guys, with that principle in mind, um, this week, if you've been getting the devotions, you can tell uh, on my heart a lot has been the schemes that Satan has in our lives. Uh, the way that Satan constantly schemes to uh, cause ruin to us. I want to say this at the beginning because it's important for you to know this as a believer. Because some of us do not put this as um, important as it should be. If you are a believer, Satan cannot take your soul. Okay, He cannot uh, come and cause you to lose salvation and go to hell. And so his number one priority in the life of believers... Okay. He can't take your salvation. He can't steal that away from you. So Satan's number one goal, because he hates everything that God loves, is his number one goal is to make your life miserable. Okay? You need to understand that as a believer, his number one goal is to try to trip you up and get you involved in things that will actually ruin you and cause destruction in your life. That's what his purpose is. Okay? He can't claim your soul, so he will try to ruin this life, which God says that he came to give us life what? abundantly right he gave came to give us that was terrible y'all didn't answer at all all right he came to give us an abundant life all right that is what god wants for us and so satan's desire is since god wants us to have an abundant life satan wants us to have a terrible life and he will present any way that he can to be able to cause this type of uh, guys number one shame this type of regret this type of pain this type of destruction in your life and these are called schemes okay you can call them plans, plays, whatever you want to call them, but that's what Satan does, and he's pretty consistent in, in why he does them. And I kind of want to express that and explain that tonight. As we take a look at Luke chapter 4, we're going to look at schemes, or what I would call identifying schemes. Uh, you could put identifying, you could put um, recognizing, but we're going to look at recognizing Satan's schemes, okay? So I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to um, Luke chapter 4. I think this thing says Matthew 4, that is incorrect, okay? It is Luke 4. Now, you would not be incorrect in the sense that this same story is actually told in Matthew chapter 4, okay? So don't let that throw you off, okay? It should be Luke chapter 4, okay? Luke chapter 4, we're going to be in 1 through 13. 
and not through 1 through 12, which is there in the whole Matthew thing, okay? If you've got it, say got it. If you don't, keep your mouth shut. Good job. Okay, let's stand together as we honor God's Word. We're going to look at verses 1 through verse 13. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. So Jesus had not eaten in 40 days. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, setting on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and... In their hands you shall bear, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the sto- a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now notice verse 13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would bless our time together, that you would reveal truth to us. So thankful for those that are present in this room. It is not an accident that they are here, but I'm thankful that you have brought us together to hear this part of your word. I pray that you would use it to help us to see truth and exactly how it is that the devil desires to work in our lives. Lord, we love you and we praise you. I ask that you would just speak through me. Allow me to be your mouthpiece tonight uh, just as a vessel of the Holy Spirit. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Simple things tonight. The first thing that I want you to see is if you're looking at schemes. Now, um, the Bible says of Jesus that he was tempted in all ways, even as we have. Okay, tempted in all ways, even as we are. Now, now that is a truth that he that that we he was tempted in all ways, and so we don't have record of every single temptation that Jesus faced. We just know that he t- faced all the temptations that we have in life. Which, if you think about that, that is pretty heavy. It's a pretty heavy thought. But I want you to see. In this temptation of Jesus, generalities about this way Satan schemes in our lives and why it is that he schemes that, okay? The first is that if you'll write this down, number one, I first want you to see the scheme of physical desire. The scheme of physical desire. Uh, Guys, our physical desires, and you can list a lot of things there, okay? Uh, I put there just list because you can list things. Guys, on the top of mind, if you look at the scripture, it says that Jesus was hungry, Hungry, being hungry is a physical desire. You can put hunger. Uh, guys, sexual desire is a, is a desire of the flesh. It is a physical desire. You can put sexual desire. Guys, you can put rest, the desire to sleep. Okay, sleep is a physical desire. And we would say even what? Physical necessity. Okay, we'd say, gosh, I have to sleep. Brother Nathan, you have no idea. And some of you do need to sleep because you look tired. All right? I mean, yes, sleep is a, nece- a necessity, just like what? Eating is. You're hungry, why? Because your body needs food, okay? These are physical things. Now, that is not sin in itself, is it? To be hungry is not sin. 
to actually possess sexual desire is not sin. Uh, to be tired is not sin. Guys, to want pleasure or what we'd say entertainment, to desire to be entertained, that is a physical desire. That in itself is not a sin, is it? Yet Satan uses physical desires all day, every day in our lives to lead us astray. He's good at it. You see, Satan knows how man is, and this is what's interesting, guys. If you really think about Satan, Satan has been around since the beginning, right? He has seen countless ages and ages and ages of men. Satan is timeless in the sense that, guys, he is an eternal being. God made him that way, okay? He was an angel. He's now a fallen angel. He doesn't have any more power necessarily than some of the other angels. He's, he's stronger, we'd say, probably like an archangel, but he is not God, okay? There's not some cosmic battle between God and Satan where God actually has to physically fight Satan and that God is really, really giving effort. Listen, God has no effort when fighting Satan. As a matter of fact, Satan has to ask God permission to do anything that he does. You need to know this. So the schemes that he gives are simple, and they've been the same from the very beginning. Because Satan knows what mankind is like. He knows the heart of man is evil. And so Satan preys on our physical desires to lead us astray. So listen, being hungry is not a sin in itself. But you and I sometimes can be careless in our lives because of hunger and not watch the things that we eat and therefore actually cause damage to our bodies, which Satan loves because the quicker you die, the quicker he gets rid of you. The less danger you, you guys look at me like, oh my gosh, he's dead serious. Do you know why Satan loves to get people on drugs and alcohol and all the things that can cause you early death in your life? Because he doesn't want you around. Why? Because if you're around, you're a danger. You might actually share the gospel with somebody. You might actually live like God told you to live and make a difference in somebody's life. So in the life of a believer, he is throwing everything that he can at you to cause you to what? Die. Do you get that? He wants you to die. And so he looks at things like for physical desires. Guys, that's why a sexual desire is not bad. And yet if you let that control you instead of God, the Spirit, controlling you, what happens? We have sex before marriage. And then we can contract some sort of sexually transmitted disease. And then when that happens, what happens? Your life ends early, right? You see, this is Satan's scheme, and he's very good at it. Guys, some of us, he's just got us kind of wrapped up in our own selves, wrapped up on our own mentality about just pleasing ourselves all the time. We sit around and we veg and watch Netflix and things like that. So I want you to write down a basic principle of how Satan is winning in our lives when it comes to physical desires. So I want you to write this down because this is good. This is going to kind of put it all, capture it all into one thing so that I'm not trying to speak about specific sins and stuff like that because I want to be honest, I don't know what it is in the physical realm that he is winning in your life. But I do know that he's winning if this is true. Now notice, to put a physical want, to put physical wants above spiritual needs. To put physical wants above spiritual needs i'm going to say this and throw this out there jesus gives an example jesus had not eaten in 40 days now i don't know how that's physically possible if i don't eat for 40 hours i am a mess okay i'm angry i'm irritable my stomach has been yelling at me for probably i don't know if i hadn't eaten in 40 hours it's probably been yelling at me for about 38 of those hours okay I'm a type of person who likes to eat. Ronnie Jr. texted me today. He said, hey, anybody got plans for lunch? It was around 10.30. I said, I've been thinking about lunch since 9 a.m., okay? Let's go. I'm hungry, all right? I like to eat, okay? 
It's nothing, there's, uh, there's nothing wrong necessarily with liking to eat. It's a physical desire, right? I mean, we, we all have these things. We all battle these things. But here's what I want you to see. If a physical desire overcomes, like you desire that physical stuff and you please that physical stuff before these spiritual needs, then you are actually becoming a, guys, you have actually fallen into one of Satan's schemes. Here's what I mean. If sleep is more important than time with God, guess which one you chose? Satan's scheme. He used a physical desire to trump what you really need. All of us say, man, I know I need time with the Lord. And yet it's funny that we spend time doing everything else except spending time with God. And we wonder why we're so weak. We wonder why we can't stand against sin. We wonder why we worry about what those other people think. It's because we're not doing the things that are necessity. Jesus had not eaten in 40 days, and Satan comes to him. And listen, would it have been wrong for Jesus to just say, bread? I mean, does Jesus sin? No. You, so he's, he comes to him and he's luring Jesus. He's luring. What was Jesus doing fasting? Well, the Bible says the Spirit had led him into the wilderness too fast. So there was a spiritual purpose in Jesus' fasting. And so Satan tried to come and make Jesus put a physical, a physical want over his spiritual need. And what did Jesus say? Jesus quoted an awesome scripture. He said, the man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word that comes from the mouth of God. He said, listen, Satan, the Bible says what I need is God. More than food, more than sleep, more than anything, what I need is God. So in Jesus' terms, he's like, talk to the hand, shut up, I ain't got time for you. The word of God says this is better. So guys, what's happening is Satan's scheme in your life is that he's constantly pulling physical strings. He'll pull at you in different ways. If he sees that you're extremely weak when it comes to sexual desire, he will constantly throw those things at you. Why? Because he wants to make your life miserable. And some of you, he's succeeding. Guys, he will consistently throw temptations about a lot of different things. Some of us are not careful about the things we take into our bodies. Even things, guys, it's such like it's right now it is kind of socially acceptable to just kind of what we call dabble in drugs, and we do not realize the damage those things are actually causing to our bodies. Why? Because we don't see them immediately. I didn't die when I smoked that, so it's not really a big deal. And guys, those things are constantly, Satan is constantly throwing things into our lives that are physical. And some of that's because of peer pressure or whatnot. And listen, it doesn't matter where it comes from. It is a physical thing. It is a physical desire that we are constantly doing. Guys, you know why you get hooked on cigarettes? Anybody want to guess why you get hooked on cigarettes? Somebody throw that out there. You guys are smart, a smart bunch. You've heard it in school. Why do you get hooked on cigarettes? nicotine okay nicotine which is a type of drug which means your body get becomes like it has to have it and so when you don't people sometimes shake they use it to calm down then they have to smoke more and more and more to calm down soon they look like a train <laughs> and that's and they smell like worse than a train okay it is a drug okay and so what satan does is he knows that even something as small as that in the life of a believer can do what cut your life short so guess who wins he does he wants to cause you pain. He wants to, guys, he's the one who wants to put you in the hospital. He's the one that when you're laying there in the hospital and you've got emphysema, wants you to sit there and say, God, why would you allow this to happen? And Satan laughs about that because he's like, gosh, they really are stupid. Because it wasn't God allowing it to happen. Guess whose fault it was? It was yours. We fell into a seam of skating. Skating? That's funny. Wee, wee, skating, okay? I fell into a scheme of Satan. And he's good at them, okay? So he'll pull at the physical strings all the time. 
A sexual desire, hunger, it can be a desire for rest. Some of us, here's the truth. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. It's the truth. You're lazy. You're lazy. You require too much sleep. You know that you need to spend time with God, but rather than get up early so you can spend time with God, you sleep in. Or you stay up entirely too late doing things you shouldn't be doing, which is entertaining yourselves or whatever it is. You're sitting there. and Some of you need to do this. This is the coolest little app that I've seen come out with the new uh, iPhone. Okay, if you get the iPhone, if the new update, the like 12.1.789, you know what I mean, the new one, okay? It comes out. It actually has what's called a, a screen tracker. It will actually tell you how much time you're spending on certain things. Like it'll tell you how, much, how long you're on Facebook, how long you're on Instagram, how long you're Snapchatting. It will give you like times on that. And it allows you to set boundaries for your own time. Where you can go in there and if you spend too much time on it, it will actually keep you from getting on that app. I think that's awesome. Some of you should learn to do that. Because you're wasting your lives with things that don't really matter. Now, guys, I'm not just picking on phones. That's just kind of the generational thing. For us, it was something different. Guys, for me, honestly, it was probably video games. I spent a lot of time playing video games when I was growing up. Uh, me and my brother used to rent video games just so that we can uh, beat them. Uh, back in those days, you didn't have save. Like, you couldn't save them. So some of the games we would get, we'd literally have to leave the Nintendo on as we left to go to school, hoping the power didn't shut off before we got home to finish the games. And we'd spend hours and hours and hours playing games. Is that sinful? No, but can it be a distraction from what's most important? Yes, and that's exactly Satan's scheme. It's just to trip you up with stuff that's not that big a deal. It's not really that big a deal. And so what he does is he steals the best from you and gives you second best, hoping to destroy you with it. It's what he's constantly doing. Listen, this temptation of Jesus, listen, to turn a stone into bread. Jesus had the power to do that and could have, but he refused to do it because he knew a spiritual, listen, his spiritual need was greater than his physical want. And guys, we've got to balance that out in our lives because it's a scheme of Satan. Some of us, he's taken to the cleaners with that stuff. So you see that first, there's a physical desire, the scheme of physical desire. The second, there's a scheme of power and fame. Power and fame. It says that the devil took him up into a high mountain. It showed him in a moment of time. So listen, guys, there's kind of this uh, uh, almost like a movie, uh, movie theater type thing happened here. It's like he's like kind of uh, taking Jesus and allows him to see. The Bible says all of the kingdoms of the world, not all the kingdoms of Egypt or all the kingdoms of that time of Israel or all the kingdoms of China. It showed him all of the kingdoms of the world. He says, listen, and he showed them all of their glory, all of their splendor, all of their inventions, all of their gold, all of their silver, all of their wealth, all of their riches, all of their power. And he says, listen, if you will just worship me, I will give you all these things. And yet it's interesting, Satan says something that is untrue. Some of you got to figure this out, okay? The Bible says Satan is the what? He is the father of all lies. Which means, listen to me, Satan is incapable of, of truth. So even when he's tempting Jesus, did people because people come to me, man, you think God really gave, you know, the devil? He gave the devil power over all of the stuff of this world? No. You know when Satan said that, "Oh, all this authority has been given to me and and if if you'll worship me, I'll give it to you." And you know what Satan was doing? Lying. He was lying. He doesn't have that power. The only person who has that power is who? It's God. 
That's the only person that has that power. So here he is being a poser, trying to act like, well, I've got power. You know, I've got this power. I can, I can give you this stuff. When the reality is, is he can't. And that's exactly how the devil works in your life. He promises you things he cannot deliver. Which is why we're constantly disappointed, constantly running into things. And Listen, that's why depression is such a big deal. Because Satan makes all these promises to us, and we buy into them, and we buy into them, they don't actually deliver, and then we are depressed over it. Because Satan's good at what he does. He shows him, and so he's trying to, in this sense, he was trying to, he knew that Jesus was all man and yet all God, so he's trying to get Jesus to fall into what so many people have fall into this desire, this passion to have power and fame. If you're going to write down or list some things, I would say probably for young people, uh, this power or fame, you can kind of list it as number one popularity. Uh, we, we sacrifice so much just so we think peop so people will think that we're cool. And it's fake. It is fake as can be. And Satan, guys, this is one that Satan is winning and winning and winning the lives of Christian teenagers all over this planet. And he's having a heyday with it. And some of you guys know, some of you that just graduated, you may have fought and fought and fought to stay popular or, or, and you even you know, made com compromises. Made compromises just so that you could kind of stay in this group. You did some things that you're not proud of. You did some things you knew you shouldn't have done, but you managed to stay part of this group. And the day you graduate, you know what happens? That is completely blown up. Boom. That whole group, oh man, I was the cool thing. You start over and then you go to college and you're a peon. You don't know anybody. You're going to classes and you're hoping. You're praying to God. You find one person that was in that cool group that you were in. So you can kind of feel, just once again, maybe feel that again. Which is why so many kids revert to stuff in college that they didn't do even in high school. Because you can't deal with Satan's lies. He's got you so convinced that that's important. So convinced that that's what you want. So convinced that that's what you need. And he's laughing his head off when you lose it. And he watches you struggle and struggle and struggle. You know why? Because it's a scheme and he wins. And he wins. I'm being honest with you. As a believer, I'm sick and tired of seeing Satan win in the lives of young people. I'm ready to see some young people get up and slap Satan in the face a little bit and say, you're stupid and you're a liar and I'm not buying into your junk. But maybe it's because we don't realize that's what it is. Listen, guys, this pressure you have to try to fit in in school, do you know what that is? It is a lie of Satan. A lie that that's what you need. That it's okay to sacrifice something. It's okay to go ahead and compromise something as long as you can get into that group. It is a lie. This, it, it, it has no truth to it whatsoever. And you can chase that your entire high school, middle school, whatever. You can chase it your whole life. And guess what? It will always be just out of your reach. Because just like this, he, promise you, he promises you something he cannot deliver. He can't deliver. And so he says this, I'll give you all these things. And so he's luring you, enticing you with power, popularity. I also wrote down this. If you're going to write down some things, I'd say uh, this to get ahead. Some of us, we, we compromise things to get ahead. You know, uh, when it comes to like the sports scene, uh, right now there are so many guys that are risking their lives by taking steroids because they're just trying to get ahead because of the pressures to do better in sports. Guys, it's constant stuff. It is this, this, this desire to want to be known. Guys, that's why, listen, that's why you care how many likes you have on a photo that you put. 
That's why you care. You'll put something and you're like, wow, 12 likes, that must not be good. And so you then take, what, 47 more selfies to try to make it look a little bit better, throw it out there hoping that people see it and they'll sit there and, oh, okay, well, I got 100 likes. Why does 100 likes make you feel better than 12 likes? Because we're consumed with the idea. We are consumed with that idea that that's where we get some of our, what, self-esteem. And listen, I'm not talking about phones as being evil or satanic or any of that nonsense because they're not. It's a computer. It's a computer in your hand. It's something that I was a kid that we used to see in spy movies that we thought were awesome. You know, you can actually talk to a person and see them. Somebody FaceTimed me the other day, and I just have to know, that's weird, okay? I don't know how to hold the phone. I think they were looking up my nose the whole time. You know what I'm saying? I just, face, I, I didn't got time for that. Call me, text me, whatever. You know, FaceTime's like, now I have to stare at you and talk, okay? That's even more uncomfortable. It's like, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> hi. You know, then, then it becomes even more awkward. Like, so do I leave the camera on me, or can I be like, can I actually go do what I was doing before you? called me because I was painting so can I can I paint while I hold it to the side of my face and you see my isn't that weird this we got is that technology terrible or evil no but it's a major distraction and we're so consumed with whether or not somebody puts a little heart this, this is this is how insane it is flip flip tap that's what it takes now to feel important for somebody when they're flipping just to go tap Tap, tap. And you know what? That's what a lot of people do. I experimented with that the other day. I was bored, went through Instagram, so I'm just flowing. And I just liked, just, you know, hitting that heart. Just, man, picture. And it was generally pictures of couples, which was kind of gay. But anyway, I was just in there, you know, and I, I'm just liking. And then somebody actually commented on that, like, geez, like, he's, like, creeping on us. So I was like, no, I just want to do an experiment to see if anybody ever noticed if I liked them, Okay. Because somebody does that all the time. Somebody throws something on Facebook. If you really care about me, put on Facebook you know, how we met. You would be like, no! You know? And then you feel like, if I don't do that, are they going to really think that, like, are they going to kill themselves because I didn't do that? You know I mean? So, like, you're really worried about this stuff. This is what we've come to. Satan has so worked in this scheme that he has us spending time worried about whether or not somebody tapped a heart button or they spent time to reply how they met us which they didn't even remember how they met you which hurts your feelings even more we, we have guys we have come down to something that is so listen unrealistic and untrue true friendship has nothing to do with somebody hitting a heart button true friendship has to do with will they be there when you need them that's a friendship doesn't matter what it doesn't matter about hitting buttons or whether it listen if somebody is in there and they're liking just because you looked good is that a true friendship is that somebody that you really think is a true friend of course not so what happens is guys our desire this and satan knows that it exists he knows that it exists he's watched mankind since the very beginning and so guess what he's doing he's constantly constantly perfecting his scheme you know, I think it's sometimes harder for you as a generation is because the earth is older and Satan is getting better at what he does. I personally believe that. He's just getting better at what he does. His schemes get more and more and more. Parents will even tell you this. Man, I didn't even deal with that stuff when I was in high school. You know why? Because Satan hadn't perfected that scheme yet. He's just getting better. He's getting better and better and better. And so this is why I'm telling you, I am warning you, this scheme exists and you need to know, Satan has, his every desire for you is to destroy your life. 
And so he will do it in a physical desire by allowing a physical desire to overcome a spiritual need. Listen, if you will meet a physical desire before you will meet what you know is a spiritual need, you are falling prey to one of Satan's schemes. If you will seek out what we see here, a power or fame, here's what's happened. You will compromise what is right to obtain what is temporary and shallow. Do you get that? You will compromise what is right to obtain what is temporary and shallow. And I do mean temporary. Extremely temporary. Ask anybody that struggled and struggled and struggled with acceptance or whatever it is in high school. The day that they graduate, friends and stuff, they just scatter and it's like starting all over again. And then the pressures in college gets weird and strange. And guys, it's a mess. Which is why people fall into the exact same thing when they get into college. Just finding, trying, to, trying to find some sort of group. If you wonder why I think church is so important, it's because God designed human beings to be around others. If you wonder why I'm upset if people don't come to church, it's because we're allowing ourselves to be attached to other groups more than we are the one group that God says that we need the most. We're falling prey to one of Satan's schemes, making you think, listen, Satan will tell you this, you can't come to church if you don't have a friend that goes there. Where have I heard that before? Oh, I don't know. Maybe this week a hundred times. Hey, you going to be at church this week? Ah, Brother Nathan, I don't know. I really don't have anybody to sit with. Last time I checked, there's probably about a hundred people in this room. You can find somebody to sit with. But it's the truth. It's like, well, I don't, you know, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know who I'm going to sit with. I don't have this one friend that's going to be there for me to sit with. Guess what's happening? Satan has a deceit that's going on in your life. He's got a scheme and he's very good at working it. You know, have you come in one time and you sit and you kind of feel lonely and apparently somebody won't do something just to make you feel good or whatever it is. And so Satan would be like, see, you don't even really belong here. But the Bible tells you you do. The Bible tells you you need it. The Bible tells you it's a spiritual need. Jesus tells you it's a spiritual need. And yet how many times do we fall into Satan's scheme that because we didn't get the acceptance or the whatever it is we think that we needed so that we no longer become a part of that? And Satan's good, guys, and he'll get us to compromise doing what's right to obtain something temporary and shallow. And I'm going to move this last thing because I think this is probably one of the most important for you to focus on. Number three, the scheme of misused Scripture. The scheme of misused Scripture. I can't tell you how many people have come to me and quoted some just ridiculous Bible verse to justify what they do. I remember there was a guy, there was a guy that, Kerry, uh, what was that guy's name? Did he work with us? The guy that would claim dominion? And he said, he said he claimed dominion, okay? We're working, there's like some wasp and stuff, you know, like, and he, oh, I think he was on a ladder or whatever it was, and uh, he, 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 there's some wasps start buzzing around, and he, he says, well, I claim dominion on you, like, he tried to claim some verses if like the animals have to be subject to us you know and i almost thought god just had a sense of humor because that sucker got stung like eight times it's so funny i mean dominion on you <laughs> so much for dominion you know what i mean people acclaim a bible verse for something that's absolutely almost ludicrous and insane I use this as an illustration today when I sent it the devotion is because I've heard so many people tell me, you know, Brother Nathan, it's, the Bible doesn't say that it's a sin to drink alcohol. And they say it just like that for some reason. I don't know why. And I said, well, you know, and they, you know, Jesus did, he did turn the water into wine. Do you know how many times wine is mentioned in the Bible? Anyone take a guess? Look at your phone, you'll look. I actually gave you the number. 
Okay, if you got the devotion today, wine is mentioned 234 times in the entire Bible. 234 times. Okay? If you'll look at all 234 times that it is mentioned, 99% of those times, and I do mean 99, I think it, the number is 221, 226 times, something like that, it is a negative thing. It's like uh, when they're the wine and they're getting drunk or avoid wine, uh, specific things like uh, Proverbs 20 says wine is a mocker. It is a constant warning. It's, I find it interesting. We'll find the one verse that we're like, oh, Jesus turned the water into wine and ignore 233 other passages of Scripture that tell us, hey, guess what? That's a bad idea. You know what Satan's good at? He's good at taking the Bible to cause you to stumble. Does that scare you? That ought to freak some of us out. Satan knows the Bible better than you. A lot better than you he's been hearing it his whole life since the beginning he heard it spoken he knows how to take it and twist it and use it notice what he even tried with jesus and most of us don't get this picture he's taking jesus to the pinnacle of a temple this is the pinnacle of a temple that's a lot less further drop than what it is there's this huge drop at the end of a pinnacle of a temple and satan says hey jesus if you really are the son of god he's playing on his pride you know if you really are who you say you are he says, just go ahead and throw yourself down. And then what does he do? He quotes scripture. He quotes a couple of Psalms. He says, you know, the Bible says that, you know, his angels will pick you up. And, you know, oh, and yeah, unless you dash your foot against a stone. So he's saying, hey, Jesus, attempt suicide and see if it works. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, I mean, how would he think Jesus would be like, oh, this is a good idea. Wee, just fall off. I mean, yeah, he really did. That was a, a convincing, a convincing temptation. Why? Because he's good at it. He even used scripture to try to prove that, hey, Jesus, if you jump from here, angels will come and pick you up to keep you from dashing your foot against a stone. Man, he was good. He, he was convincing. He took scripture and what? Misused it. People have been misusing scripture to justify what they do for centuries upon centuries. Guys, the first misuse of Scripture that I know of, if you'll go all the way back, there was a man named Lamech, and his, one of his issues was um, he had kind of he had heard the story about Cain, and, and when Cain uh, had committed this sin and killed his brother Abel, uh, he, when God said he came, he's going to make him basically, he's going to put a mark on him, and he's going to be a, a cast, a, an outcast, and he says, you know, this, this punishment is more than I can handle. Everybody who finds me, they'll see this mark and they'll try to kill me. And Jesus says, if any man tries to kill you, I will repay on him threefold. And so this man warped scripture, and he actually, there's a young man that uh, offends him. Okay, There's a young man that makes fun of him, and, it's, and since the young man makes fun of him, he kills him. Okay, kills him. Good fellow there, okay? So he kills him, and then here's the quote. He quotes the Bible. He says, if the Lord will avenge Cain threefold, then he's going to avenge me tenfold. You want to say, you're a moron. But he honestly believed that. He took a scripture that he thought he knew, and he used it in an absolute stupid way. And some of us do the exact same thing. Now, I encourage you that you've got to look at your life as you're... Is your life really focused on how the Bible tells us we should live? Or are you constantly justifying? People say this all the time. You can't judge. You ever heard somebody say that? Just be honest with you. Have you ever heard somebody say that? You can raise your hand. You ever heard somebody say, you can't judge, okay? Don't judge me. You're judging me. You're judging me. So everybody in the Bible tends to know that verse. Does anybody know where that verse is actually found? 
It's in Matthew. Seven. Okay, you'll get it. Okay, it's in Matthew 7, all right? Now, if you read Matthew 7, it's actually beginning kind of in the first verse there. It goes in verse 1. But he tells us to judge not lest ye be judged, for with what judgment you judge, that's how you will in turn be judged, okay? Now, there's nowhere in the Bible that he tells us not to judge. He tells us not to use unrighteous judgment, which means don't use your judgment. We judge ourselves based off of who? Off of Jesus, so if I'm going to judge myself based off of the judgment of Christ, that's different, okay? So if I turn and judge my life, and I judge my life by Jesus, guess what? I'm not doing so good. Why? Because I didn't judge my life by you. I judged my life by Jesus. Am I judging my life by Jesus? I'm not doing so good. And guys, neither will anybody else. We don't use personal judgment. We judge according to the word of God. And yet people use judging all the time as an excuse to say, you can't say that what I just did was a sin. Yes, I can. Because God says it is. That's where the church hurts today so bad. Guys, we don't want to say anything's wrong, anything's a sin. We're afraid to tell people what you just did can and will destroy your life because it's a scheme of Satan. Instead, the church is apologizing for stuff, acting like, oh, you can't say that. Oh, that's, oh, that's going to hurt somebody's feelings. You know, I'd rather hurt somebody's feelings and save their life than not hurt their feelings and watch Satan destroy their life. And that's what we got to get to. Some of us, we are buying into things scripturally. Like somebody told me, Brother Nathan, is it really a sin to get a tattoo? I don't know why I make that face when people ask me things. It's just fun. I don't know. And I'm like, you know, I could take you to a Bible verse that tells you not to get a tattoo. I can also take you to a Bible verse that tells you you shouldn't eat eels, okay? Now, I don't know anybody in here really wants to eat an eel. If you do, you're sort of weird, okay? But, I mean, I could take you to a Bible verse that says you shouldn't eat anything without scales, okay? It's in the law. We shouldn't eat anything without scales, which means, guess what? That takes catfish out of our diet. Now, that stinks, okay? Some of us really like some catfish. I mean, I could take you to a Bible verse that tell you don't eat pork. That is about the diet of every Kentuckian right there. It's just gone, okay? We're all going to starve because we can't eat pork, all right? I mean, guys, we can take Bible verses and go to all these things that we not do, right? There's these one-verse theologies that people get. You know, people say, well, you can lose your salvation because this scripture says blah, blah, blah. We have all these things. Here's what Satan's good at doing. Allowing us to find just enough of the Bible to justify what we're doing and miss the whole point. And that's where so many Christians are. We're missing the whole point. Here's the point that God gives of believers. What has God called you to be? You want to take a stab at that? What has God called you to be individually? I don't mean you're supposed to, well, I know my God's will for my life. I'm going to be a minister. I know what God's life for me is I'm going to be a railroad conductor. I don't know. You're going to be something, whatever. No, I'm asking every believer God calls us to be what? Holy. Holy. Did you catch that? He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. So guys, here's just a good question that you need to get to. We come into all these passages of Scripture. Sometimes we go and we search and we look to try to justify things. Guys, I've heard people go and, and that we justify every sin under the sun because of a passage of Scripture we can drag out of there. Guys, there are people that are trying to deny homosexuality, but trying to even, they're trying to erase things from Scripture because uh, they, they say that, well, you know, uh, that really wasn't talking about homosexuality, even though that's what the word is. And we really want to change it to something else. And so because now that, that now we're even getting to the point where, you know, we, dis, we have to have a scripture to justify our actions. What is that? That is a scheme. 
It is a scheme of Satan. And Satan's really good at it. Some of us will scour through something trying to justify where we are. Trying to justify an action that we did. And we'll look and we'll look and we'll look. The author of that is Satan. Because what God does is He makes things a lot more simple. He tells me, He said, Nathan, hey, just run it through this filter. Is what you just did holy? If it's not holy, should it be in your life? What is the answer to that? It's really simple, isn't it? It's no. But we can't come to that, can we? We've got to have something. We've got to justify we've got to say there's a clause somewhere there's some sort of escape clause for that what satan wants you to do is that he wants you to think listen carefully because some of you are there he wants you to think you are an exception to that rule that that might apply to everybody else but it doesn't apply to you man guys satan schemes me he is he is so good he will come in and even try to bring scripture to your minds to justify an action that will in turn lead you to death and destruction listen it's true there are people today that believe that you are not saved unless you are baptized they will quote scripture that say that or they think that says that and so they immediately after they quote unquote get saved whether they think that there is salvation in some baptism water so they rush off to these waters to be baptized and yet the bible says if you trust anything anything but jesus you are dying and you are going to hell do you think that that small little scripture that they believe is really damaging to them this means yes this means no yes it is damaging to them guys if it causes them to spend an eternity in hell it is very damaging to them and some of us have scriptures like that in our own lives to try and justify things we do things the bible tells us not to do but we think that it has some sort of good effect in our life and so we justify bad things to quote unquote achieve good things i want to give you a a a statement that my dad gave after i defended my sister's honor and got into a fight with somebody okay long story i'm not getting into it okay anyway there's this guy and he wasn't doing right he said some things about my sister he shouldn't say and I'm a typical brother, like, hey, don't say that about my sister, you know, or I'm going to take you down, you know. And he's like, okay, what are you going to do? And so then there's this, you know, immature, you know, action that happens, and then we get into a fight. And my dad happens to be the principal of our school, so it's fun. I get to be, I don't just get, to, you get to go to your dad's office. That's wonderful, okay. So I know I'm in trouble, but I'm, I'm going in, and dad had said something. It's not the first time he told me this. It's one of the first times it ever stuck. I tried to justify it saying, Dad, this guy shouldn't have said what he said. He shouldn't have, and he just he looks at me and says, you know, what, does the, son, what does the Bible say about stuff like that? Like, I mean, really, like, couldn't you, couldn't you just let that go? You have to, you have to, he, the Bible tells us to turn the other cheek. He said, couldn't you just let that go? I'm justifying it. I'm justifying my action because I want to justify it. I want to say this was right. This was a righteous thing. It was defending Cherry. And what he said was, guys, it stuck with it. It is never right to do wrong to do right for the first time ever in my life that actually stuck in my head it is never right to do wrong to do right you're running late for something so you speed we break the law it's never right to do wrong to do right you're having a hard time studying in school so you what you cheat a little why i just need that grade why if i don't get that grade i'll lose that scholarship 
It's never right to do wrong, to do right. You see, Satan, guys, these are his schemes. These are how he works. He works day after day in all of us. And it's, he's smart because he doesn't make them large. He doesn't. It's not like it's a big deal. It's a bunch of small things. And it starts with the physical stuff. It starts with, I'm just too tired to do what I know I need to do. Or I just don't feel, you ever notice that? I don't feel like doing that today. We know that we should, but we just, we just don't feel like it. We'd rather turn on Netflix and just veg for the next hour and a half and watch 37 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. I don't know. We just, we just don't want to do anything. We'd just rather not. And how many times do we not do things we should do simply because of what? A physical, what? A physical want. Just feeling too tired, feeling too, not wanting to do that. I don't feel like it. Whatever it is. Or guys, how many times that God will tell us the, the temptations to avoid sexual temptation because he knows that that is real. And that's exactly why Satan tries to put you in compromising positions. He does all the time. Put you in a compromising situation. Get you in a compromising situation. Why? Because he knows man is weak and man is weak in his flesh and in your flesh you will fall. He knows that. And so he's good at it. So what is he doing? He's constantly working through physical desires. He's constantly working through our desire to actually want some sort of power, some sort of control. Why do you think you hate when your parents tell you to do something? It's super quiet in here, by the way. Why do you think that bothers you? Clean your room. Why do you always tell me what to do? Because uh, I'm your parent. I don't know. I mean, why, why does that bother us? Why does it bother us when your parents tell you to do things? Do you know why? You want control of your life. And Satan knows that. And so he uses that as a scheme over and over and over. Small things. Start sometimes, guys, with disrespect. It can start with something as small as just being resentful. Your parents keep telling you to do something. You're resentful of the fact that they, do you know what that, it's a scheme. And Satan knows exactly what he's doing. You want control. You want power. You want, I'm, I decide what I do with my life. It's interesting. When I wanted to learn how to do something, I went to somebody that knew how to do it. Paige called me today because she called my son and he said to call me. Okay? Jonathan works at Bailey Tire. I guess because he works at Bailey Tire, he thinks he can fix everything. Okay? <laughs> works at Bailey Tire. Call him. He didn't know what to do. So he, she, she said, he said, she said. No, she said, he said, call me. So Paige calls me today. Okay, real, this is real life. This is real life. Paige calls me today. She's having car problems. Okay? And it's not just her car problems. The person who picked her up to help her then had car problems. So it was like, double. she's had a bad day. You need to pray for Paige, okay? Pray for Paige. She had a bad day, rough day. But like, it was, it was brakes problems. You know, it was making noises. Now, I love when girls tell me a car makes noises. Because when a girl says a car makes noises, you know what they say? It's about to blow up. The engine's going to explode. You know what I was like, well, what's it making? Is it making like a grinding? Or and she's like, do you know how I know that when a car is moving and you hit the brakes, it starts to make a grinding noise? How I know that that is brakes? Because somebody taught me that. Somebody taught me that. There was a guy that was really wise that I didn't think he was wise when I was growing up, but he was really wise. And I began to go to him and ask him about stuff. I began to ask him about engines and motors, and we would work on those things, and he would teach me stuff, guess what, that I did not know, but needed to know. And the only reason that I know something, listen, is because somebody 
who knew how taught me. He taught me. But Satan wants us to desire power and control so much that we won't even listen to the people that can teach us how. Do you know how you need to live life? By asking people who have lived life. It just makes sense. Now Satan doesn't like that. And Satan will constantly pry on your... Guys, it's an adolescent thing. It is part of growing up. You become your own person. You don't want to be told what to do. And Satan will use that as a tool to constantly bring pain into your life if you're not careful and you don't watch for the scheme. And then, guys, he'll lead you even to something else. He'll, he'll, take you to, he'll take you to a scripture to justify something that according to what we call the whole of scripture is untrue. You know how I know that I shouldn't do certain things? Not simply because I can pick out a verse or two that talks about that, because I know that the overall scheme of the Bible teaches that when Jesus saved me, I should be a changed person, and my goal in life should not be to make it, squeeze by, just be good enough, hope that I'm just maybe mediocre, but as a believer that my number one job is that people, when they see me, would actually see Jesus inside me. That I would be holy as he is holy. And anything hindering that thing, anything hindering people from seeing Jesus in me, anything hindering people from seeing me as holy is, guess what? A scheme of Satan to just try to steal away the one thing that I really should be focusing on in my life, the one thing that, check this out, the one thing that will really bring you joy. The one thing we all want. Acceptance, joy, happiness, a life full, that, guys, a life that is lived to its fullest. YOLO, exactly. To live life to its fullest, exactly like God wanted us to. Guys, be careful about Satan's schemes. He's good. He's had a long time to practice. And I'll be honest with you, we are not smarter than him. So listen to what the Bible's trying to tell us. When he attacked at Jesus, he went, guys, he came guns blazing. He knew he had, that, that, listen, he had his work cut out for him. He was coming after Jesus. And these are the three things that he chose. You think if he's going to come at Jesus with these things, that he's not going to come at you? Don't be deceived, guys. He's going to constantly work through physical things. He'll constantly work through your desire to have power and authority and no one tell you what to do, to want to be seen as popular, whatever it is, to rise up in the ranks. He'll constantly prey on that. And eventually he'll even come to, if he has to, guys, he will even misuse Scripture so you'll justify what you do. Guys, be careful. Be watchful. I'm going to finish with this because verse 13 is what stood out to me when I studied actually through the past couple weeks. Satan doesn't stop if you advert the scheme the first time. Do you notice that? Most of us think, because we don't really have any other record of it in Scripture, it says that the Satan left him. And so Jesus was never again tempted again by the devil because Satan left. You know, it's interesting, Luke doesn't say that. Luke said that, well, the devil left, but then what happened? As he left, until. Do you notice the word? There was a word. Until. Until what? Until an opportune time. So guys, here's what's happening. You, you might advert the devil one time. Physical desire, you know that. Guys, you're super, super tired. You may win one day. 
you're super, super tired, but you know you need some time with the Lord. Your spirit is starving for something spiritual. So you get in the Word of God, you spend some time in prayer, and it starts to build up your spirit. You start to feel a little strength in you. You're just like, oh, praise God, I know that I needed that. The next day, guess what? He's going to wait for an opportune time. And He's going to come and He's going to attack again. He's going to do what all enemies do. They'll attack and attack and attack until you build up a part where there's a defense where He can't get through there anymore. So what does the devil do when he feels like he lost and he can't get through there anymore? What does an enemy do? They try to find a different route, don't they? And that's exactly what Satan do. Guys, it used to be there was a time Satan can overwhelm me all the time with anger. Anger. I was an angry person. Didn't know why. It was just there. I had the Rogers temper. If it flares, it's ugly. I don't know that too many people have really ever seen that temper in my life except for my wife. Maybe one or two times in my entire life. That temper was ugly. It caused me to be very violent, do things that I would never really do. I don't think anybody in this room has ever really seen me violent, okay? I, I'd be violent, and it just, guys, it was ugly. And there was a time that Satan would win in that all of the time. He would attack, and he would attack, and he attack. And guys, eventually, guys, it was through the word of God and his grace. I would continually quote scripture. I would quote this one scripture, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. It's in James, guys. It's a great verse. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. I would have to quote it to myself sometimes a hundred times a day. Guys, I'd be on a court, something would happen, and where I would normally flare, flare up, I would begin to just claim that scripture in my life. The wrath of man does not work. If I, do right, if I do this right now, if I act in this anger, I will not do what God wants me to do. I began to live by that verse live by that verse guess what satan kept attacking and he kept attacking and he kept attacking until one day there was a wall he couldn't get through There was a wall he couldn't get through and so guess what he did he left nathan alone didn't he no he just found a different route he found a different route and every once in a while tried another route and i'm trying to do defense somewhere else and every once in a while he'd be that sneaky little scum that he is and he'd come right back to that anger and he'd try one more time I'm going to have that person cut him off boom, with that car. See if he gets angry. See if I could just see if I can get a hold of that anger just a little bit. That physical what? Guys, you know what that is? That is a physical thing in us. Anger. So he tries and he tries and he tries. Guys, some of us are just playing stupid. I don't know how else to say that. You're cruising through life acting like Satan is not trying to kill you. And he is. You're doing things that are stupid. And guess what's happening? We're falling prey to this. Do you know what his end is for you? Death. He cannot have your soul. He can't. But if he can, he will take your life. Look at every attack Satan ever had in the Bible. What is the first thing that he attacked? This was interesting. When he went after Job, what's the first thing he went after? Things that he think man, man thinks is the most important stuff. The first thing he attacked was what? His money. Satan really believed if he attacked Job's money and took all his money, that Job would just curse God. Why? Because mankind, God, I mean, Satan knows how mankind works. He knows how, he, how they think money's all important. And so what did he do? He attacked the money. And he was shocked. Satan was shocked when Job wasn't cursing God dying. So he's like, well, I mean, if you take, if you take his health away, why? Because he knows, well, man cares ultimately about money, but when, when it comes down to it, he really just cares about himself. So he took his family, he thought, man, it didn't work with his family, he took his own health away. He, he took everything that he thought man desired more than anything but what he could what he could not take from him was the one thing that job knew that he needed and who was that that was a relationship with jesus christ a relationship with god and job is one of the greatest stories about showing a man who did not allow satan's schemes to defeat him in life and the great part about that is god 
gave him twice as much as he had before as a result of his faithfulness. Satan's good at what he does, guys, and he's going to keep attacking and keep attacking. You've got to get your guard up. You've got to be smart. You almost got to be sneaky. You got to know what he's doing before he does it. So know this, guys. He's going to attack you in physical things. And you have to allow your spirit to control the physical, not the opposite way around. He's going to attack you in multiple ways. Be on the defensive. It ever interest you why in Ephesians chapter 6 that the Bible gives all of these armor of God, armor of God, and do you know that all of the armor of God, you noticed all of it's defensive except for one thing, which is the sword, which is the word of God. Everything else is used for defense. Everything. You know why? Because he knows that Satan's going to be attacking, Satan's going to be attacking, and we've got to get on the defensive. The only time that we can ever turn to where we're actually attacking is when we've got the word of God and we know it enough to be able to start the attack. Guys, be careful. Some of you are being very careless. Be careful. Because Satan's scheming, and he's good at it. And if he doesn't win today, he's going to wait for another opportunity. Don't give him the opportunity. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for today. I thank you for this word, the seriousness of it. God, I know that there's some in this room that there's, there's been some defeat. Satan's working in their life. He's, he's, he's causing some confusion. He's causing them to go after some things and to chase schemes rather than chasing you. And God, I pray that tonight would just be the night of victory, that we, God, the first step to victory is seeing how the, the enemy works. And God, I pray that we'd at least see, just see how he's working working to destroy our lives, bringing things into our lives that can cause us harm and even, even possibly death. But if he can't achieve those things, he's going to at least try to achieve just misery, to steal every bit of joy from our lives by having us chase things that can never fill the void that is really in us. Believers have a, a desire, an innate desire when we get saved that we want a relationship with you. And we desire to be with you and be obedient. And God, that's why we sometimes feel so empty and, un and unequipped is because we're not having that time and to be equipped and strengthened. And because of that, we just chase after all kinds of things. God, I pray that tonight would be a night of victory in the lives of these young people. That God, they would truly see the schemes that Satan has in their lives to identify them and defend against them. God, I praise you and thank you that you say that with man things are impossible. But with you all things are possible. God, I pray that we'd know that this is not a losing battle. That God, if we'll trust you, if we'll, be, if we'll trust you with our lives, that God, you will bring victory to us. So Lord, give us that strength. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.